0: issue for all women hello hello mickey here welcome to this week's sunday chops where i am chatting to excellent stand-up and all-around good egg elf lions elf at christmas i know anyway as i record this intro on friday the 17th of december elf's run of elf lions talks dirty for an hour at the soho theater from monday the 20th to thursday the 23rd of december is still going ahead But, well, yeah, we're back to gesturing wildly at the outside, the virus, and the powers that be, even if they shouldn't be. Go on, North Shropshire. So do keep an eye on What's What via the theatre's website, which is sohotheatre.com. I've got to say that if you are still up for going out to a show, nicely boosted, double vaxxed, all excited, then Elf is a brilliant choice, an absolute whirlwind of energy, and very, very funny. She's also very, very busy, because by day she's a teacher. I managed to grab her between jobs as she walked from school to the station which explains the background traffic noise and uh, leapfrogging man because Christmas. Anyway enough of me wanging on enjoy elf. Hello I am joined on the zoom by comedian, teacher, self-proclaimed filth queen and guinea pig professional. What a combo. Elf lions. Elf hello. <laughs>
1: I really, really like that introduction.
0: <laughs> You're welcome. I really like that you managed to combine all of those things into one life. It's incredible.
1: I was quite proud of myself, actually. It's the first time I've ever made a sensible decision. But I write for Guinea Pig magazine, which is obviously, I think, actually during lockdown, one of the only jobs that ever paid me on time and regularly. <laughs> but I, um, I've i had so much on recently. And Rick, the editor of Guinea Pig magazine was like, Alf, we really need your new column. And I don't know if you've been in this situation, but sometimes your guinea pigs are not bringing that much exciting chat. (laughs) and It's a really dry news month for guinea pig related news. And I've had so much on. I just emailed and I was like, I love you all so much. And I know I've never done this before but I am not going to be able to contribute an article this month. And they were so understanding, which was amazing. But (laughs) I did sort of look at Ian and Clara begrudgingly, going, why the fuck are you not giving me more (laughs) narratively that I could be working with here? Come on, guys. Entertain Just do something.
0: (laughs) I mean, it's quite a left-field start to an interview, I suppose. But also, did you see that news story about the woman whose guinea pig ate her fringe off while she was asleep?
1: I think every single person has WhatsApp that to me. <laughs> I woke up assuming someone famous had died and just realised there was lots of people, especially on Instagram when you let people into your DMs, you know, just by accepting their smiley-faced emoji. And then every person you know or don't know is sending you the same thing. So, yes, I've read that article. I'm baffled by it. One, you shouldn't really let a guinea pig sleep like that at night time. I mean, it's totally unhygienic. And also, I'm amazed the guinea pig's not dead.
0: Yeah, because she could just roll over and and squish her, what she terms a skinny pig, because it's not got any hair on it.
1: Yeah, skinny pigs are very, very sweet. You've got to be so careful with them, because obviously they can get really cold. I remember meeting a woman once who told me she said people might say giving birth is the greatest experience but you've never known love until you've held a guinea pig naked between your breasts. And that image has really stayed with me. (laughs) Wowzers. Maybe I should have written that in the guinea pig blog.
0: Maybe that would have been better. I'm going to find it very hard to move on from this. So what is the weirdest thing that your guinea pigs, Ian and Clara, have ever done?
1: Well, I'm trying to think, actually. I mean, Ian and Clara are quite old school. They're both rescued. <laughs> She's, she um, constantly... Sorry, I just got very confused. Then, cause the man literally just leapt frogs over another man in the middle of the road.
0: It's December. <laughs> Anything could happen.
1: <laughs> Anything can happen. I think ADHD, I just sort of get too overwhelmed by the world and bright colours. I don't think my like, guinea pigs have done anything that interesting, actually. Like, I mean, it's awful. Like, Ian got a really bad respiratory infection, and we really thought he was going to go. But, I mean, God, that made 500 words easy to write.
0: <laughs> um, oh, that is... But, oh, that's cold. It's cold, Elf. <laughs> uh, cold and bleak. No,
1: I, they... You know what? Guinea pigs, they just popcorn week and weak. And happen when they first... When I first got them, Ian just spent most of his time trying to have sex with Clara... And Clara was just rebuffing him constantly. I suppose Ian Ian drinks a lot of water because he's diabetic. So I sort of spend a lot of when I used to have him in my bedroom. It's sort of I'd just be heckled at the night with the sound of this guinea pig sort of deep throating a water bottle. I mean, it sounds
0: a bit like a microcosm of the BBC in the 1970s, if I'm honest with you. Yes, that's sort of
1: what I was recreating. That's the that's the sort of work ethic and environment we're aiming for at Guinea magazine.
0: I mean, as much as I could chat about our small furry friends all day, let's talk comedy. And even though you're only 30, a wee whippersnapper, you've been doing comedy a long time now, haven't you? It's so
1: nice to call me a wee whippersnapper because so many people now are like, God, you are so old. And I think I'm not old at all. No. What is going on with this world? We're becoming more age-focused, I think. Um, yeah, well, I started when I was 18. But, I mean, you start, but you do, like, what, one gig a month, mm-hmm. maybe? And it's, like, to five of your mates at Dirty Dicks or something. And you're not really learning how to perform. I don't think I learned to perform till I was probably about 22, 23. And I, when I say perform, I mean, like, the basics of remembering how to breathe. <laughs> and then I don't think I got good until or like, you know, a level that I'm proud of until I was probably about 25, 26. And then slowly each day it's just about getting a little bit better and working with the flops and the constraints and all that jazz.
0: But you went to clown school, didn't you?
1: Well, this is where I get... um, It's because everybody calls Golly a clown school, but he only teaches clowns for two weeks in year one and he teaches it for one term in the second year. The rest of the time of the school is like, it's Shakespeare, it's Greek theater, it's mask. I did everything except clowning, which is really funny because people always say, well, you went to clown school. I go, well, no, I I just went to a drama, I went to a really surprisingly affordable drama school in a really shit part of France.
0: But I think this assumption that you did clown school comes from your act as well, because it's so energetic. It's got that that clown feel. It's very physical, as well as, obviously, you're very clever with the words. Some of the descriptions of your comedy have been making me chuckle. So aggressively winsome was probably my favourite. But having seen you myself, I just felt like you are this freewheeling energy. And I, I didn't feel safe, but I really liked it.
1: Oh, that's good. As long as the audience know there's sort of persona and pretense to it, then you can go as anarchic as possible. <laughs> I think it's that feeling of feeling on edge, but at the same time, knowing you're safe. And I think that comes from, in a bizarre way, from being a woman, because I think there's a sense of how much calm can she actually cause, but at the same time, you don't want to test that theory there's this weird tension of how I think it's sometimes why with women you can get away with being far more sexually aggressive Uh because it still feels so juxtaposing to what we're used to I just, I can't help it there is this protection actually I've noticed it actually as I've gotten older and sometimes I do have to self-check and check where it's coming from but there is this real not violence, but this sort of rage, there is, there, like this splintered aggression that sort of fractures into this crazed joy. And it comes from somewhere really dark, but it sort of propels you forward. And I think the reason you become like that on stage is because there is that safety harness of being on the stage and the audience knowing this is a performance or thinking it is all performance.
0: Uh-huh, yeah.
1: It's very cathartic. I find if I haven't performed my temper at home, not saying that I have necessarily temper, but it, there is a distinctive change.
0: When I saw you recently, there was a family of bellends in the audience whose entitlement was astonishing. You know, I'm sure they probably got a job at number 10 somewhere, but yeah. you just were having none of their shit. Do you find that you can bring tension sometimes from school to play on hecklers?
1: I think actually my way of dealing with hecklers has improved considerably since becoming a teacher <laughs> because with a t- like because well, obviously the difference is it's with children they are children uh-huh. and you're told to I don't really like the word punish but the phrase that sort of stands you punish the behavior you don't punish the pupil yeah. it's not the child you have a concern with it is their behavior it's not them that you don't like it's the way that they're behaving it's the way they're choosing to act so, when I like a kid being naughty or is about to be naughty, you you know all I say I go think about the decision you are about to make, do you think this choice is going to be the smart choice, and then that gives them a moment to reflect on should they shout out, should they throw that thing, et cetera, et cetera but with obviously being a comedian, the difference is they are adults now, the game is very different. The rules, the status is very different between you and the audience. There is a different, there's a level of duality as opposed to being a teacher and a child where you're educating them on how to be a better person. With a comic, you're not really there to do that. They should know. You can cut out the middleman and just go straight to the jugular of the discipline policy, which is, (laughs) you have disrespected me, you get out of my classroom, aka the filter space, immediately. And if you want to, you can use expletives because the audience also at the same time need to be entertained. I think the difference is is when you tell off a kid in class, you want to do it as quickly and as succinctly as possible because you don't want to make a show out of it, Mm -hmm. you don't want to show the kid up, and you don't want to make the telling off the performance or the main section of the class. Whilst with comedy, everything still has to be entertainment. So you've got to make it into
0: some sort of theatrics at the same time just you saying to me I want you to think carefully about the decision you're about to make you know maybe reflect on that I've recorded that now obviously for our interview and I'm going to play that whenever I'm about to press purchase on eBay I think it's really useful
1: (laughs) (laughs) It is because we don't often you don't really get given that choice I don't don't think we really ever ask that question to our mates sometimes because it is just really clear I find actually you know what's funny is Now, since I started telling people on stage that I'm a teacher, the behavior has improved from the audience. Really? (laughs) Because I did a gig in Manchester, and I said, I made a joke about me being a teacher, blah, blah, blah. And then a a boy, like, you know, a boy, they're older than me, they were on their mobiles. And I said at the beginning, if I see you on your phones, I will confiscate them, because this is my performance time, and I will not have you waste it. And then I saw him on his phone, and I just simply said hand your phone over to me please and with no questions asked <laughs> he handed this because I think and the MC said you just turned into a teacher but because I said I am a teacher there was this weird switch in his mind the way he looked at me as a person because I think if I just come on as me not mentioned it and then asked for his phone I don't think he would have given it mm-hmm. to me Mm-hmm. But there was this weird subconscious respect or there is something in this woman I do not want to cross due to muscle memory. <laughs> it was I was like, oh, this is great.
0: I mean, unlike most teachers, you've actually got a Soho theatre run coming up from Monday the 20th to Thursday the 23rd of December. It's called Elf Lions Talks Dirty for an Hour and I guess that isn't one of your lesson plans. But can you expand on that for me, please?
1: The reason I did talk dirty, it's, you know, I've not done it. It's a Finnish show. It's a Polish show. I wrote it on the first day I performed it a few months back because it's straight stand-up and it's storytelling, effectively. Mm-hmm. They're all stories that I've held for a long time. It's the most autobiographical of my shows. All my shows, traditionally, people have judged, I think, as you said, for being clowny. And the thing is, what's funny, especially in the comedy world, is people will put you into a box so quickly about oh, God, yeah. what type of comic you are mm-hmm. and that can be very frustrating especially when someone says oh I've worked out what you are you are a comed- an improv comedian you are a musical comic you are a surrealist comedian you know I think it can be really unhelpful to act on how you view their progression also you view their you know their creativity their artwork
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: their catalogue that sounds very really wanky but I think my issue was lots of people were constantly saying that I just did physical mime and flat-stick and clown shows, which obviously I do do loads of. But obviously stand-up was the first place, the first way I entered the game. And I do know how to do it. So it's one hour, quite simply, of me doing stand-up. And it's all the material that is just pure... It's just pure filth. It's just all the <laughs> filthy, rude material that I would usually tell my friends. It's, it's very... You know, relaxed and also at the same time there's a narrative thread to it regarding I've always hated this idea in comedy that in order to exist on stage men have to show that they're vulnerable which obviously they are but there's this pressure for men to show and then my dad died and my world fell apart as if we didn't know that men cried already or that men have to show they're vulnerable to prove they're an artist and I think for women the opposite side is I have to show that I have endured an act of trauma. Mm-hmm. And I think it can be really unhealthy, especially when I'm teaching a new form to make shows. The common thing that comes up from young women is, I don't have the right to exist on stage yet because I have not had something that has pained me necessarily. Mm. Well that's really sad. Um, yeah, and it comes up a lot, when you, you know, and I think if you just, I've always said this, you just want to do a show with an octopus for an hour, be a fucking octopus. Uh If you just want to go on stage and do a show about um, toys (laughs) over us (laughs) and why it wasn't a good business economic model, then yeah do that. As long as it's engaging and it makes you happy, it makes the audience happy, you don't need to give any other reasons in order to exist on stage as an artist and that's always been a really big thing for me with all my work, like all the comedy and shows that I've made. They've not actually been that personal or to do with that sort of thing at all but then talk dirty weirdly i've then done the one thing that i find quite irri- not irritating but unfortunate so the theme of the show it's all about Phil and being rude and being a very sexually confident young woman and being a very sexually confident woman who has worked her way through her sexuality but also has come into her sexuality when starting as a effective i started comedy when i was a teenager uh-huh. and the industry in 12 years has changed a ginormous amount but the things that I think were allowed to go get away with when I was 18 would really not be allowed now and it's me more you know lots of funny silly stories but me reflecting on especially being a teacher I look at my year 18 you know year 13 so 18 years old and I remember that age and how adult I felt and I was dating much older men in comedy but I look at those children and that's what they are they are children there's a slight sort of political dark point that, that is undercutting some of what I'm saying. But it's, a, it's a, it inherently just a very funny, filthy show. But it's also me, I think, working through, especially in the light of how there's so many unfortunate sexual predators in comedy,
0: yeah.
1: about taking accountability for some of our, our actions. It makes it sound way more deep. I didn't realise there was that thesis behind it. But that's sort of what ended up coming to be.
0: Do you think that there is a moment of accountability in comedy right now? I mean, I'm hopeful, but I've been hopeful before, and then it's faded away.
1: I, I think yes and no. It's women holding the men accountable, but I don't think a lot of the men are holding themselves and one another accountable. That sounds in very longer. unfair, There are so many fantastic blokes in the comedy industry. There are so many incredible men, Mm -hmm. like, who are just phenomenal and often don't get the attention that they deserve. And, And then it gets drowned out by the fact that one person who has achieved a lot of success is an absolute horrible predator. I mean, for example, like, the horrific thing that happened with Sarah Overridden when it came out, someone made the point of how few men seem to be Instagramming or tweeting their horror and sadness regarding the news of the case, whilst it was almost an every single woman I know's Instagram story or Facebook thread or Twitter. It was
0: an ocean of grief from women, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I think even though every man I know who I'd mentioned it to ago,
1: horrific, awful, absolutely shocking, terrible, there is the same... at the same time, it doesn't quite hit and register the same way. And I think with comedy... Sometimes men can unwillingly go, that is horrific, that person, I wish we'd got rid of them. But then there is this unintentional silence online regarding these individuals, and that can be quite difficult to deal with.
0: Hollywood, the comedy industry, the music industry, are all the microcosms of the world that we live in, and the general world mm-hmm. where you can get the loveliest men do they just stay silent because they don't want to upset the mates? Yeah, I think a lot of them do. They don't really know what to do. they not being told what to do. And so tackling that and changing that isn't easy. And it's an ongoing no. process.
1: Like my example, of myself, there's a comic who I do not name in the show who has been very vocally and in the news taken down and has been, you know, effectively cancelled, like they've lost their work their this show and everything's been removed offline their career has been destroyed and quite rightly so and i encountered this comedian when i was 19 and i remember it very vividly but what was so fascinating was when i told of my experiences to just men and women in the comedy industry the general consensus was make it into a funny story you can tell on stage mm, that was trauma. genuinely the sort of Yeah, use your trauma, make it into a... Which is what I did totally unwillingly, but also at the same time, without any of the same comedy adeptness and comedy skill that I would hope to have now. Mm -hmm. And I tell the story that I was told by so many to make into a comedy routine. But what's interesting was I remember for years, he would be on bills and I would sometimes be booked and he would be there and I would feel so... Apologetic, but so like unable to comment on it because he was so much bigger, and there were so many more important people coming to watch him and there was that sense of if you do vocally say anything about it, how much damage would you cause, and how much of an effect would it have on your own career? Is it really worth it? And I still reflect on that myself, thinking you know i 'm part of not part of the problem, but you know there is that sort of we've all been in that situation we work out how much good is this going to do us yeah it's that
0: thing of if, if women do speak up about famous men or when women speak up about famous men who have been predators who have, have, have raped who have sexually assaulted who have harassed they are then always intrinsically linked to that man that is that is a yeah. lot to carry I think that is a bigger decision than the "uh, oh, why didn't she tell people brigade ever yeah. think about or realise yeah
1: totally and it was it was really funny in that the news came out about this individual i tweeted in response to it because it felt like such a breath of fresh air And then literally within a week, a bloke had emailed me on Facebook going, hey, I'm doing a podcast about this whole thing. I'm not sure if you've followed it. It would be really interesting if you could come on. I'm just exploring how it's really damaging and offensive towards women. And and I was thinking, I cannot believe a bloke is literally trying to make a podcast out of this one week and then acting as if you are unknowingly contacting just random women
0: Mm.
1: without any full... It it just the whole thing made me laugh at the complete just terrifying comedy of it all Dario Fo would probably make something funny out of it
0: and you get these moments in time where someone big or fairly big is is taken down quite publicly and it's almost like there's a kind of rubbing of hands together and well you know there's that one we can have a few years more now And, yeah, uh, yeah, it's just got to stop. I mean, I don't have the answers to how to shift it, but I do feel right now, certainly with, like, Get Off Live Comedy, which Kiri Pritchard-McLean has started, there is at least someone just taking the stats, and I think that has got to be a good thing.
1: Yeah, I I think it's great, as long as, at the same time, we've got to make sure everything is still going through the best and most honest process it can go, because I'm still, at the same time, really anti just naming and shaming people online because it can create a really nasty precedent on all sides which can damage everyone mm-hmm. but i but that that's just for me like that's something that i'm very precious about but i wonder if it's also because at the moment i'm just studying a lot of the fucking crucible <laughs> and so I've just been reading <laughs> it will get in my head coffee. oh my yeah. god has
0: an old play ever been more 2021 i don't know okay you brought up teaching so I was just interested because as interesting and horrible and different to how it usually is the comedy circuit has been over the past 20 odd months and counting the education system has taken an absolute battering how has it been
1: it's been exhausting
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I, I mean all the teachers around me are so exhausted and tired I think as well the disrespect towards teachers during the pandemic was appalling and the attitude towards the teachers and the fact that people really forgot them and this idea that they stopped teaching during the pandemic I, is, I was, which is bullshit it's so offensive and I will say it's offensive because it genuinely harms people because children are losing a complete respect for education mm. and the people that suffer on that side are then the children who then don't come to school, who don't feel the need to it, or the children who are not able to attend online teaching, you know It was a horrible time, I think, for many teachers, and so many teachers quit. They haven't had a pay rise in a very, very long time or a pay increase, and the hours you're working are incredibly long. Like, I'm an NQT, so I'm still jolly hockey sticks in my sort of aerial at the beginning of the Little Mermaid, just feeling optimistic and joyful. (laughs) But it is, you're not leaving school until about 6.30, maybe seven on uh, like three nights out of five and then the other nights you're staying until it's very, very dark. You're in there way before you need to be because you have to be in early because otherwise all the work in, they're done mm-hmm. and you're not just teaching, obviously people forget there's all the safeguarding involved, there's all the other cultural, you know, you're, you're a huge influence in these children's lives and development and they will come to you not just about geography tests or history information, they'll come to you about a whole variety of things. So, it's a, it's a weighty task and I'm I'm kind of lucky in that at the moment being the drama teacher and the NQT I don't have the same level of responsibility as my other colleagues but at the same time it's unfortunate as well how much drama has been cut because you see so so often drama is the subject they
0: really need. Oh well you know the arts never helped anyone just slash and burn it just boils my piss. I imagine it boils your piss more because you're you're right in it
1: so many children suffer from anxiety now more than ever Mm. and so for that reason in order to teach children how to communicate and vocalize their feelings and also engage with others in a time where everything's online you need a subject like drama which teaches them how to make their lives more accessible to others
0: absolutely elf let's go back to the comedy because your soho run starts on monday You're a comedian called Elf doing a show just before Christmas. I mean, is that fun?
1: Oh my goodness, absolutely. I love it. I love (laughs) all the elf the two, three elf based puns that get thrown at me this way in the comparisons to Will Ferrell. I'm really worried that I've made the show out sound really miserable and dark. I will literally convey it is the silliest one hour filth show of all time and it is really, really enjoyable. I'm just worried I've made it sound way more hefty and intense than it is.
0: Is the guinea pig sex party in there? I mean, i phrased that wrong. Yes, recently.
1: that that is absolutely in there. <laughs>
0: There's so much sex party based stuff in there.
1: It's just really sex positive. Someone came up to me and they were like, it's just the show is also very, without it being forced, just very accessible to the lgbt plus community which was a really nice compliment because it's not you know there's not necessarily any direct references or subjects as it were but it's just nice to know that your shows are without any intention alienating or possibly cutting out a group of people well that's
0: surely the the definition of inclusive that we should all be aiming for right yeah totally totally i i felt giddy after watching you So, Elf, where can people find out more about you, please? Instagram, obviously.
1: Please follow me on Instagram because that is so important now to have those sweet, sweet followers. In it? Um, Oh, God, it's just despairing, isn't it? But follow me on Instagram because that's where I put all my hot, hot content. (laughs) My website for just random info about blogs and radio stuff and bits and bobs. Um, But Instagram and then Twitter. And uh, alongside Talk Dirty which I'm doing in December, which is going to be super, super fun and a lovely Christmas treat. If you want to do a Christmas present, take a friend. I'm also doing a show in BSL with my mate Duffy for a week at World Festival in 2022. And it's just a really sketchy, stand-up-y, clown-y show just in British Sign Language with a bit of live sound fully from me
0: oh we're big fans of vault festival i know you're a big fan of vault festival and obviously the last couple of years have been scuppered slightly as has everything and a lot of it went online but yeah there's so much inventive great stuff there yeah
1: it's, it's such a wicked festival i think i did my first ever solo show there in like 2014 lovely fun
0: look i know you are a stupidly busy woman so thank you so much for sparing some time to chat with me it's been an absolute delight
1: Thank you for letting me chat to you. It's been really nice, I'm sorry if I was super-duper ranty. Um, <laughs> I love a rant. Uh, I, am a very, I am a very fun lady, um, <laughs> and sometimes also verbally dyslexic. So, uh, yeah, it's been a real blooming delight.
0: Standard Issue for all women.